Welcome back to the Sip and Feast podcast, episode number 36, the Super Bowl. What food do we eat? Do we enjoy? Do we give to our guests on the Super Bowl? Tara, what is this thing called the Super Bowl? <laughs> That's a good question, although I'm sure everybody who's listening to this knows what the Super Bowl is. It's I don't know. the final game of... It marks the end of the football season, right? It's yeah. I mean, the AFC versus the other one. Yeah, versus the NFC <laughs> champion. Yeah. Um, you could tell. You could tell. I watch a lot of football. Yeah, it's. I don't watch football really anymore either. But me, what me and you do, is not representative of what the country does. Yeah. Football is more popular than it has ever been in the history of. The stats. Really? Yeah, it's it's out oh, of control popular. That. Yep, out of control. And a big part of that is because of this person called uh, by the name of Taylor Swift. <laughs> Actually, Taylor, I heard Taylor Swift is is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, she's going to the Super Bowl because her... Um, it's Taylor Swift versus the 49ers. Her uh, boyfriend, uh, Kelsey Grammer, is... Uh, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer? <laughs> that, you know what? Listen, if you... If you I had to do that joke, but David Letterman, David Letterman is the king of doing this. He was, um, he's got some new show now. It's like a, I think it's a podcast. I, I'm, I'm not positive. I saw it on uh, YouTube, but um, he was talking to someone and he kept saying Kelsey Grammer for the meaning, the mean tra Travis, Travis. Kelsey. <laughs> is it Kelsey or Kelsey? Tra I, 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 I think it's what Kelsey. But anyway, he kept saying Kelsey Grammer and the person like his like producer was like, it's Travis Kelsey, you know, and he's like, <laughs> he kept doing it. That's so funny. But he would always do that in his old, um, you know, the old days when he was on, you know, he's been retired for a number of years. He would always turn people's, like he would refer to someone and he would always do a play on words referring to them. And it, everybody would play along with it. Like you wouldn't, it was, but it was hysterical. I don't, you, you, okay, you don't so know this? I don't remember that. I used to actually stay up and watch David Letterman every night, like when I was in high school. Um, and I used to love him and his top 10 list that he would do every night. I think we should we should write, <laughs> resurrect a top 10 list and, and do something like that. But yeah, I, it's not a bad I idea. don't remember him changing. I don't know if he did it in every episode. Yeah. I know it was fairly common. He was a master at it. And he, Who was his sidekick? Oh, um, what's the, the little was guy? Was it Paul? Uh, yeah, Paul... Um, the bald, bald uh, glasses. Yeah, what was his name? Oh man, I'm. You know, it's honestly, it's been so long since I've watched. I hate reaching for my phone yeah. when I want to look something up. We need like, a, I've we need a little trying, computer right here. No, I I just hate having to rely on things. Like I want to try and use my brain to remember. I'm I'm going blank, and I just too. can't remember it right I'm now. I'm going blank. I hope I'm right that it was Paul. I can picture him. He wore sun, like sunglasses, and he was like the conductor of the band, right? Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Yep. Yeah. You know, like when you when you know something, but you can't you can't pull it out. Yeah. That's That's kind of the issue, I think, when you uh, enter the age we are at right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, before we get into it, and we're going to get into the best Super Bowl foods to have, what we think are uh, a couple things that we think you shouldn't do. Uh, you might be noticing that we have these new mics that same mic, but different boom arms this makes it a lot nicer mm -hmm. because in the past, and I think I spoke about this maybe in last episode with having those, um, 
the little stands there, I would, I felt like I always had to lean so far forward. Yeah. So now I can be, I could just be over here chilling like this. It feels a little more relaxed. I still like the idea of us transitioning away from a table and getting a more, getting a more cozy setting here. Like maybe, maybe a chair. Yeah. I definitely want to do that. I think we need the chairs. I think we need neon lights in back. Mm-hmm. Tara just hung up neon lights for James the other day. Purple neon lights. LED lights. L- LED, LED lights. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm dating myself again. Anyway, I digress. Let's get into it. So before we get into it, I thought it would be cool. I found this quick history lesson when it comes to Super Bowl food and more specifically buffalo wings, right? Because I... I don't know about you, and I know we'll get into this in a little bit, when I think of Super Bowl or when I think of really any food that I'd like to consume while watching a sporting event, because I do that all the time. I'm always on the TV watching sports. Yeah, I, she's a <laughs> she's a heavy heavy sports watcher. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard for us to really do anything because, uh, you know, like I want to do stuff on the weekend and Tara's like, no, I got to watch three three football games today. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There are women who do that. No, I, of course yeah. I know, and I actually I like I like watching basketball games, and I used to watch things a lot more. I just I don't have time anymore. Yeah, no, I get it. I used to watch. I hey, listen, I used to watch a lot of sports. I you used to have fantasy football. Didn't you win fantasy football one year? Yeah, I, I mean, it's not. It's nothing to be like. It's not. It's like it's not the pinnacle. Of it's not life. like you bought I mean, a football team. Look, it's the pinnacle of life for some men, and you know, if you're if you're my age and you're really into football still. I'm going to go on a limb here and say, maybe you shouldn't be. Maybe your wife is, you know, a little <laughs> feels neglected. Um, you know, you shouldn't be like winning and running your fantasy football like pool at work. Like that's not like it's I, I think it's like when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, like if you're the guy running it, like that's that's, that's good. But like yeah. if you're in like your 40s and 50s and you're like the head honcho. Hey, Maybe you got to reevaluate reevaluate your life choices. No, no judgment here for no, me. No, I'm judging. I'm, I'm real. You're being judging. I am, I am definitely judging. Okay. So we might have just lost one or two uh, 45 to 55-year-old men who run their fantasy uh, draft league. Well, I'm not judging you. Tara. Yeah. Tell me the history of chicken wings and buffalo wings. January 15th, 1967, the Green Bay Packers faced off against the Kansas City Chiefs, a.k.a. Taylor Swift, in the very first Super Bowl. On that day, few of the estimated 51 million fans gathered around their television sets, realized the profound impact that Super Bowl would have on chicken consumption in the United States. The Packers won the game 35 to 10, but ultimately the real winner was chicken, Mm. particularly wings. In 1967, Americans consumed 32.6 pounds of chicken per capita, typically purchased in whole bird form. Cuts of chicken were a novelty at the grocery store. And there was little demand for chicken wings. But in 1964, the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, decided to turn the typical soup stock staple into a spicy finger food to feed a hungry crowd. Right? Anchor Bar in Buffalo. That's where buffalo wings come from. For a few years after they served them, wings gained popularity in the bar scene. Then came Super Bowl I. 
turning them into a sporting event tradition. Since that first game, chicken wings have become a staple of football gatherings and tailgaters, even carrying over into other major sporting events with the annual college basketball tournaments and the college and pro football season rivaling the big game for wing consumption. In fact, any big sporting event that generates a crowd increases demand for chicken wings. So I thought that was interesting. This is actually from the U.S. Department of Agriculture website, which I'll actually link the article in the show notes. Interesting. If anybody wants to read the whole article, this was just an excerpt. That's the little quick history. I'll give you my little quick history of Buffalo Wings. Mm -hmm. So I went to the University of Albany, which is New York's premier uh, institution. And hey, listen, no hate if you went to Albany. That's where I went, okay? This is, this is why I do what I do now, you know, because I went to SUNY Albany. I was going to go to Buffalo, though. And the main deciding factor was the Buffalo Wing because they have tons of places, bars in Buffalo that have great wings, not just Anchor Bar, you know? So the deciding factor was wings and you decided not to go to Buffalo? No, it, was, it would have helped me go to Buffalo because oh. of the wings. So did you not get into Buffalo? No, I got into Buffalo. So why didn't you go? It was too far. Oh. That that was the reason. I had a friend who went to who was a year or two older than me, and he went to Buffalo, and it's, it's an eight hour drive from Long Island. It's okay. Not everybody can get into Stony Brook. Yeah, she got into Stony Brook. By the way, Stony Brook University. Little quick side note: uh, now is considered the forty fifth best college in the United States yeah. of America. Yeah. So, according to, to U.S. News and World Reports, to my former colleagues who used to rip on me and call me state school because they were Ivies. Well, it's not an you Ivy League yet. You can go kiss it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not an Ivy. <laughs> it's not an Ivy, but I used it's to get- on their, They're on their way to becoming though, like I would say like MIT light, you know? I worked with two people. Um, one was a Princeton graduate and one was Cornell graduate. And they liked to rip on me and one other person. The other person went to Binghamton. They used to rip on us and call us state school. State school, It was yeah. like, it was in good fun, but yeah. you know- yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you gotta, if you're spending that type of money, I mean, the more funny part was for them, uh, funny or pathetic, depending on whichever way you want to see this, they had the same job as you did. And they went to those well, premier one, schools. Uh, one of them was my, was my superior. Okay. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not like he, it's not like they were running the company or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. Sto we live right near Stony Brook, so it's a little source of pride. And yeah, Tyra's right. She went there 20 years ago. The only thing I will say, though, is 20 years ago, it wasn't considered I the know. same level of school that it is now. The two reasons it's such a, it's gone up so much is, uh, I don't know the person's name, but it's a Chinese individual who won the Nobel Prize. So that means Stony Brook gets a lot of international students uh, applying and going. And Jim Simmons, who runs Renaissance Technology, which is one of the largest hedge funds in the world. Uh, and he hires mathematicians, chemists, astronomers, all different fields to analyze the stock market and to collect money from exploiting every inefficiency, no matter how small they are. So that he hires a bunch of geniuses and they, Places right here. It's like right near where we live. But he is um He's a donor a to the donor math department of Stony to Brook. To Stony Brook. Like right. there's the park is named after him, right? Or his son. So his Jim Simmons' son, I believe, was killed riding his bike. 
I think. I'm not positive. I, he he had two sons who were tra- who died really? tragically. One was riding a bike. The other one drowned, I believe, like on his honeymoon or something like that. But um, the park, Avalon Park, which is in Stony Brook, near Stony Brook Village, near the Stony Brook Grist Mill over there, kind of in that historic section, um, he, I believe, owns that park. And the park was made in honor of his son. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's that's that about that. We we want to talk about the things that we want to make for Super Bowl. We we also want to talk about why you don't need to order out for Super Bowl. So I'm in some you know a few different uh, mom groups yeah. on Facebook, and so many of them are like, "Where can I get wings for Super Bowl? Where can I get this for Super Bowl?" Yeah. I kind of just stay quiet because I don't want to be like, "Hey, here's my Here, husband's here's my recipe. recipe." Yeah. But I do want to say that having had wings at several different bars and establishments in the area, I still think that your homemade wings are better. And homemade seems to just be better in general, especially lately for a few reasons. Yeah. Right? The first being, and I'm going to let you elaborate on this because you're very, you seem to be very passionate about this topic, but it's what I call the delivery service dilemma. I Number one, I don't think my wings are as good as a really good fried wing. Stop it. They're better. Uh, that's your opinion. Um, my opinion is they're not quite as good. So the video will already be out when you listen to this. Yeah, because Buffalo Wings, by the time you listen to this, it will have been out for three days. Because it comes out on the Thursday, this will be Monday when you're listening. So if you watched it, I I did them in the oven. I did four pounds of them. It, the advantage in the oven, you could do a lot of them. If you're frying them, unless you have like a deep fry, like a big deep fryer at home, you're going to be limited by how many you can fit into the batch of oil. Though they only take about eight to 12 minutes when you fry them versus they take about 50 minutes to bake them in the oven. If you have an air fryer, you could also do it too, but it's not going to materially uh, increase the speed Uh over a standard oven, which that's all an air fryer is, by the way. Uh, second part of it, my passion about the delivery places. Yeah, I really don't like the delivery places. I don't like what they do to businesses. I don't like what they do to the customers. I don't like what they even do to their own. They're not even, can't even call them employees. They're contractors, okay? The only entity that benefits from these delivery services is the delivery service company. Specifically, they're people that are high up in the company. All right. They're a tech company that exploited an inefficiency. I heard this the other day, Tara, and I read it on a Reddit thread. And they were saying that these companies, now again, I'm just saying, I'm just telling you what I heard there. And a few, a good amount of people confirmed it. If you are a business, and you don't want to be a part of them, you have to get your name removed because they will add your name. So Mm -hmm. if I own a restaurant, okay, and whatever I sell, say I sell steaks, okay, I'm like a regular restaurant, and you know I have some other entrees on the menu, you will have DoorDash drivers come there to pick up stuff from you, or Uber Eats or whoever, and and the guy's like, "What do you? What is this? Why? You know, what, what's going on here?" And then you find found out your name. You found out your name is there, 
So then you got to call them up to get your name physically removed. So it's almost like coercion. And they say, then you get a sales rep on the phone. They're like, well, why don't you want to be on there? It will increase your sales by X amount of percentage. But the problem is you're going to get all those orders. If you're a regular restaurant, you're going to get all those orders when you have your regular restaurant rush. You don't have more chefs in the back to accommodate a 300% increase in orders. So it's like your, your place wasn't built for that. Now, if you're a regular, you know, wing shop or pizza place and whatnot, you know, you're, you're, you do do a substantial amount of delivery, Mm -hmm. but still you're still getting screwed. And I'll, you know, again, I'm very passionate about this. So Darden, which is the parent company of Olive Garden and Red Lobster and a few other places, they just purchased Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, $700 million. They are getting rid of lunch in most locations. They're going to change the menu a little bit. And, and I, because I was reading the press release from the CEO, and they're going to get rid of delivery services like DoorDash and Uber Eats because they're like, you know, when you order from those places and the price is way higher, mm-hmm. the customer, meaning us, you, everybody else, we think that it's higher and that it's the restaurant's fault. Mm-hmm. So it's giving the restaurant bad reputation. So the CEO's like, we're getting rid of that. And if I owned a restaurant, I would never deal with them, okay? I would never deal with them. Plus you're ordering the food from them and it's an hour sometimes to get your food. Sometimes it's an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. I've had so many problems lately. I've stopped using them completely, any of the ordering services. It just... There's been problem after problem. I feel like we should do a whole podcast on this. You you can tell how passionate I am about this. I I don't want to make it like there's no benefits to them. If you're dis if it's a disabled individual, okay. If yeah. it's a person that is a single mother with young kids, okay. There's a there's there are examples where it's good that you can get really any type of food delivered to your mm-hmm. to your house. But I think those those few those few examples are not. They're helping point. Oh, one percent of the use cases. The the, the other ninety nine point nine are bad, and I don't know. I mean, I just some things maybe just shouldn't be delivered. Like I would never want to get a steak. A steak being good all comes down to it coming out on the sizzling plate, super hot for you, mm-hmm. and you eating it right away. It's a t- there's a big time component there. Yeah. If they put that in a container and you're they're waiting for you know, delivery driver Bob to pick it up an hour and 20 minutes later and get it to your house. Is this Uncle Bob? It's it's just Bob, delivery. The, Bob the delivery guy. So Bob, okay. Do you, Let me ask you a question. Do you know any other male names other than Bob? Mike. Okay. Bill. So, let's go back to Super Bowl. Yeah, let's, like, well, let's go back so to that. The wings will be soft. Wings. The wings yeah. will be soft. Yep. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm coming back here. The wings will I'm, be I'm soft. I'm trying to bring you, reel you back in. Thank you. They won't be as good, the wings. They just won't. So if you insist on having to go to a place and get them, I would just pick them up. And But but even still, it's going to be such a crapshoot on that day. They're, they're not going to be nearly as good as they are on every other day because the restaurant's going to be getting so many orders. So it's better to just make your stuff at home. It's definitely better. And you asked this, I think, or somebody asked this on the post today, the Buffalo Wing post about reheating. You can reheat them perfectly. So say you make them yourself and you know, they get 
people, you're waiting for people, or maybe it's like half time and there's some left, you can re-put them back in the oven, crisp them up again, and mm-hmm. you can re-sauce them and they'll be fine. Yeah. Chicken, so is just, very, chicken wings are very forgivable. So would you, when you re-sauce them, would you mix, because you to make your sauce, you mix butter, flour, and Frank's hot sauce. So- Just a little bit of would flour. Would you yeah. add, when you re-sauce the wings, would you add- more of those three ingredients no, no or just flour. the just the hot sauce. No, you don't need any more flour. The flour, the reason I put the flour in is because it thickens the sauce a little bit and it stops it. I I always my mom used to make them when I was a kid, occasionally, not very much. And it's funny, I didn't know buffalo wings either that started that early because to me the buffalo wing was like a new invention in like 19 19- 87 or something or 88 when I had my first wing. But it wasn't. It was already 20 years old. Well, th- that's that's what I'm saying. So Yeah. But to me, they were relatively, that was when I kind of identify with when the Buffalo Wing was created for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom was like, she was reading the label, what everybody does on the Frank's bottle, just mix the butter. And, yeah. that, and it's always a little too liquidy. It yeah. always kind of, your wings start swimming and then they get start getting a little soft right away. Yeah. So the flour the flour helps. That. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about our top five picks for Super Bowl food. I've got a list here. I'm going to run through it super quick and then we'll dive deeper into each one. Wings, nachos, some type of dip, at least one, something made with pizza dough, chili. Those okay. are the top my top five that those are I, good. I want to talk about more. I know we're going to have a few honorable mentions yeah. there, but we'll get to those after. But let's start, since we already started talking about wings, let's yeah. dive a little bit deeper into the wings. Because obviously buffalo wings aren't the only type of wing, although they're probably the most popular. Again, this is just my, my opinion. I think everything starts and ends with the wing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you can do this without having wings. So wings are the number one. They're like the centerpiece yeah, of your Super Bowl meal. Yeah. I mean, now if somebody, if there, if there's a bunch of vegans and vegetarians, which I think is kind of an oxymoron almost for watching football, you know, like Super Bowl, like it doesn't, you know, stereotypically you think of a bunch of rowdy men with like beer bellies, you know, yeah. eating 40 wings. Although, you don't think of a bunch of vegans like cheering, well, going nuts over football. I will say we've had cauliflower buffalo wings which are actually i'm laughing because i know you're i i'm not laughing at the cauliflower wings i like the cauliflower wings i'm laughing because i know what you think you think it's like a ridiculous impersonation but you did enjoy them when we ate them that time remember at that place in port jeff we got like, oh yeah they, they're they were good. good they're good i mean they're they're fine yeah they're not but that's a that's a vegetarian or vegan option you can have yeah, the cauliflower wings it definitely is yeah uh, now, remember, if you're going to do a ve- veg- vegan, you would have to have no butter. Right. You'd have to make sure the fryer that you're using. You know, it's funny. You know, those pla- every place that like serves you food, just so in case you're a vegan and you're watching here, the odds of a place that serves a lot of meat and wings frying your s- vegan cauliflower bites in untainted oil that hasn't been fried with meat is probably very, very remote. Well, that's why I think that's a question that, yeah. that the person who's ordering yeah, well, they'll should, add, they'll should ask. ask. They'll ask. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's it for vegan wings. I don't want to spend too much time on that. Yeah. But what are what are some other ways that you could prepare wings? 
there's a variety of ways. Garlic parm is great. We have that on the site. I'm actually probably going to tomorrow, I think, or the next day, uh, going to do Scarparella wings, how Carmine's does them. Oh, so right. Carmine's has them. And basically, I'll be doing the wings similar again in the oven, but then I'm going to toss them in that sticky uh, vinegar cherry pepper sauce. Oh, my God. I know. sounds so good. Now, the only thing it's going to, it'll have like parsley on there. Uh, it's not going to have sausage in it, obviously. You know, yeah, there's it's no just, way to do that. Yeah, but it's well, still going to be delicious. I just said, "Oh my god, that sounds so good!" I sounded like Jordan Peele's character. <laughs> oh my god, it sounds so good. <laughs> Sorry, I said that, and I like heard you it do, in my brain, and I'm like, oh. "You do her very well, or him, him. You do him doing it's her him very playing well. Megan. Yeah, yeah. You do that well. You also do Peter from, uh, I mean, Lois from Family Guy very well. But a lot of people say I just sound like Peter from Family Guy. Yeah, you're my not even voice. impersonating him. Yeah, yeah I have to. Yeah. I have do, to. do it. Do it. Let's hear. It. Oh, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So scarparella wings, uh, Thai chili sauce is Ooh, delicious. That's good. Really easy. You can buy a bottle of Thai chili sauce or you can make it. It's just one of the easiest sauces to make. It's just vinegar, sugar suspended in a uh, cornstarch slurry with as much hot pepper as you yeah. like. There's like five ingredients in Thai chili sauce. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Lemon pepper is really good. That's good. I like a good jerk, jerk? chicken yeah. wing. That's good. The Jamaican style. And then barbecue. Oh, yeah. Barbecue. Yeah. They're duh. great. Honey barbecue. Something yeah, like that. Delicious. So, you know, listen, once you understand how to crisp up the wings and cook them properly, and, you know, I go over it all in the video, how to dry them off, how to dry them overnight. I, I didn't dry them overnight in the video, and I still got really good results. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen it, go back and watch the yeah. video. One other thing, if you are going to host a Super Bowl gathering and you're going to make wings, Costco is your friend. Yeah. Again, Costco does not sponsor us. We are like 100% Costco, not sponsored by Costco. We wish we were, but we're not. Yeah. And that's not why we're saying this. We're not looking to get sponsorship. No, no, no. I would like to get sponsored well, by Costco. I would like well, to get sponsored yeah, by Costco. But, but that's not why we're saying this. We're saying this because we have genuine love. Yeah. Genuine love for you Costco. Are, look, and that's the thing. Like you're, what, what you're trying to say, we 100%, whenever I recommend something to you, whenever Sip and Feast, me or Tower recommend something to you, we do not recommend it to you for money, okay? I, I'm serious. And I think a lot of this is because we're 45 years old. We have some money from previous careers. Um, we don't care just about money. Like, if you go to the average profile on TikTok, food person, and you hit a button, they will be hawking their different flavored salts, their crappy knives from China, their stupid courses that don't even work. I'm telling you, it's almost a business strategy for a lot of people. That does not mean that every food creator on TikTok or on YouTube does this. But, but, but it's easy when you have a big audience and we do have a big audience. If you're watching us here for the first time and you're like, oh, you only got 3000 subs. This we have eight hundred thousand on the YouTube channel, and people watch us every week. We could monetize that audience in a very 
very inauthentic way, and I refuse to do it. I, I won't do it. I've been doing this for six years now. If I haven't done it by now, I'm not going to do it. But when I recommend something to you from Costco, I am making no money on it. No money, okay? And it would be great if I had a relationship with Costco. But I don't. But the reason I, Tara's telling you to buy the wings there, you get six packs of them, mm-hmm. okay? They're very cheap per pound. They're good and quality they're good. wings. They're, they're, they're actually not the good. Di- yeah, they're not the dinosaur mm-hmm. wings. Um, again, they're great. When I tell you to get paper towels there, when I tell you to get meat there, when I tell you to get... Oh, what else do I tell them? I mean, I tell them everything. I buy my shirts from the place. You know, like I, everything I, I mean, this isn't from Costco, but it's crazy how much stuff Our we Our table's get. from Costco. This table's from Costco. This table right here. Yeah. This odd shaped table. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's why we're telling you to get it there. Let's move yep. on to the next one. How would you prepare the ultimate nachos for okay. Super Bowl? Okay, ultimate nachos ultimate. for Super Bowl. I'm going to say ultimate, but the caveat's going to be easy too. We want them yeah. to be relatively easy. So I would get yourself either mix up, go online, find a taco seasoning that sounds good, or just buy yourself a packet of it. Get yourself 80-20 beef, okay? Saute that up with a little bit of onion. Put the seasoning in there. You have a great taco meat. So now I would say get a big sheet pan. These are best to do in sheet pans. Mm-hmm. i probably use two if you have a lot of people. Layer all your nachos out. Just get, I would just get plain from the store, like plain chips. I wouldn't get lime scented or anything like that. Layer my meat, get some good cheese. I would get pickled jalapenos. I would get, whew, I'm trying to think what would be maybe a couple different cheeses. And is there anything else to bake? Not really. That goes in the oven that bakes. Then you put your cold stuff Tomatoes? on. Well, the, would, that's going to be the cold stuff. Those would be stuff. cold, yeah. So like a pico de gallo you can do yeah. after the fact a little bit of cilantro, sour cream, and um, what else am I missing there? That's pretty much it. Yeah. What do you think of pulled pork nachos? I think it's good when it's done right. I've had it when they overloaded it with too much pork, mm-hmm. and it was just like- Too porky? It's just a slop. It was just slop, yeah. you know, because it gets a little wet, you know. There needs to be a good- meat to chip ratio. That's my biggest problem with nachos from places because I feel like often there's like a bunch of chips that don't have anything on it and then there's ones that have too much. So I would say for my ultimate nachos, since you're controlling it, since you're the one making it at home, you should like get a good chip to to meat ratio going. Yeah, and a good distribution too. Like don't- um, That's what I mean. Yeah, don't load up the meat in one particular area. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I mean, you can get really crazy about it and like- put like a set ratio on each well, one. Well, that's, that's no, what I'm I, saying. I, 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 know, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Green onion would be good too. Green on onion top. also, Green yeah. onion. Definitely. Yeah. I, I'm probably, there's probably something simple that I missed here. Now, also, if you can't do the ground beef, you could do a little, you could do chicken. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the taco seasoning. Uh, my preference would be for dark meat, but. Yeah. You could even do a vegetarian and just have the cheese and olives and maybe some sauteed mushrooms mm. if you want it like a meaty consistency. That does sound something good. Something like that. Speaking of like how I say the dark meat and not the white meat, there's a food you, uh, YouTuber named Internet Shaquille. He's young. He's really good. He's really good. He makes really good videos. I like his videos a lot. But he has um, he has another channel where it's like Sha- Shaquille random thoughts or something. And uh, 
he just talks about different topics. And he was he had someone send in a person who wanted to start making YouTube videos also cooking. And they were like, can you, um, can you dissect my script and tell me what's good and what's not? And the person was saying like, about, oh, just you can use brisket or chuck or or any any beef and that'll be fine. And he's like, okay, this is a problem. You can't say use any beef because a person who doesn't know what they're doing mm. will, maybe they think, oh, I can use filet mignon now when you're using chuck mm, or brisket yeah. because they're things that take a long time to uh, braise and to get tender mm -hmm. uh, versus a filet is tender right away. So then he used the example when you don't know anything about cooking, or even when you know a moderate about cooking, you will always say that dark meat is worse than white meat chicken. You only you always know when dark meat is better than white meat chicken when you've been cooking for a substantial amount of time and you know how much better it tastes and how much juicier it is. Mm -hmm. It's a trope that is really, it's it's ingrained. People just want white meat chicken for some reason, mm -hmm. and it's it's. I mean, you know, it's, it's dry. Know. Yeah. So I I agree, but I happen to be like when we make a chicken, I always have the breast, and I I leave you guys with the dark meat because I just would rather have the breast. Breast can be good. I think if they're brined, mm -hmm. they're good because you're putting excess moisture into them. Yeah. So when it cooks, it doesn't dry out. Uh, but. No, I think I think overall, in my opinion, dark meat is is the better choice. Yeah. Right, no, I, I know you feel strongly about that. All right, let's yeah, let's move on to the next one. Let's move on, Jim. What are the best dips for Super Bowl? I'm glad you asked, Tara. The best <laughs> dips for the Super Bowl are cannellini bean dip. That dip is awesome, and it's so easy to make. You just take white beans from a can, you mix it, put in a food processor. Lemon juice, olive oil, a little bit of garlic. You could also do roasted garlic. Mix that up, season with salt and pepper. Serve it with uh, crostini. Super easy, mm -hmm. and you could do a big platter of it. Okay, tried and true dip is a spinach artichoke dip. Yeah. All right, really easy to make too. There's a variety of recipes online. They're all fairly similar. But you know you can but, do mozzarella. But, but or, go to go to our spinach. Yeah, you, you use the sip and feast one. But I'll, I will plug they, ours. Our they're stuff. all fairly similar. I mean, like we don't put goat cheese in ours, but it would be really good with goat cheese. Yeah. It would be really good with feta cheese. Mm -hmm. You could just do make a really good homemade ranch dressing and blue cheese. You're going to want both of those for your wings That's anyway. That's true. So yes. then you could do a big crudite, big crudite board. You're forgetting like the the dip of all dips. Tell me guacamole. Guacamole is the dip of all dips. Now, guacamole is weird. It's, it's not a dip. It's guacamole. But yeah. you, you gotta you gotta but put it in, in a, the dip category. It's in a dip category because you have to dip stuff into it. I agree. The thing about guacamole, you have to think a couple days in advance. If you're going to a supermarket and the avocados are all hard as a rock, yeah. not so good. So you gotta kind of buy them. You know, it, hey, you might be a professional avocado eater and you you might have it down to a science, you know? Yeah. Back in 1980, and I know this, it's, my memory is like a photograph, okay? In 1980, no, I just read this the other day. Uh, like the average consumption of avocado per year in the United States was like 0.7 pounds. Now the average American consumes, I think, eight or nine pounds of avocados. Mm-hmm. I believe that. You're saying that's, you're like, that's still not a lot, but yeah, your 50 pounds is balanced balanced out by the people who eat Who none. don't eat any of yeah. it, yeah. But yeah. overall, if you took the whole population of the United States, 
it was under a pound per person. I think my mom was one of the main avocado eaters. She <laughs> would make avocado toast before avocado toast was even a thing. In fact, she told me that she <laughs> used to take avocado sandwiches to school with her. And that's what she would eat. My mom is 68 or six. She's going to be six, 69 this year. Sorry, mom. I'm like drawing yeah. a blank. Yeah, and I don't. I but, don't I'm not. I don't know. Linda uh, Tara's the one who should know. Yeah, but no, she's been eating avocado since way before it was trendy. So she was one of those main consumers. She was a pioneer. She was in she the was, avocado world. Yeah, she was a pioneer. Yeah. You know who has an avocado farm? Uh, what's his face? Um, who's Magnum PI? Yeah. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck has an avocado farm in California. Really? Like, like a 500 acre avocado farm. Okay. Yeah, he was he was growing and eating avocados before they were trendy as well. Interesting. That's right. Didn't know that. I know you say wings are yeah. like the king of Super Bowl. Wings are the king. Wing king. Yeah. But what about stuff that's made with pizza dough? Like stromboli, calzone, pizza. Yes. Right? Definitely. So tell what are some of the things that are Super Bowl friendly? Okay, skip the calzone. Too messy. Skip it. All right, don't do it. Um, Save that for your first date. Yes, your first date. Yeah, that's that, yeah. You told we talked about that when yeah. you said I, you were. She was gonna leave me. Like that was it. She was like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> Who is this guy with cheese running down his face and everything else? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't do a calzone. Do a pepperoni pinwheel because or any type of pinwheel. You can put anything you want in it. You can put any type of meats. Uh, stromboli is great too. Those two are awesome because you can divide, make them small portions. Mm -hmm. So each person gets one. Um, I would probably skip the grandma or Sicilian pizza. I would 100% skip a regular New York round pizza. That, that means you have to be there the whole time watching it, waiting for your oven to, uh, you know, your pizza steel to gain back temp again. Do not do that. What about if you make a grandma pizza before your guests get you there and then you just reheat it. Yeah, you, I could see that being really good. And you don't have to cut it into the large squares. You could cut it into smaller you know slices. What? You're right. The only one, honestly, Tara's right. The only one I wouldn't do would be a, a New York round yeah. pizza, like a standard New York pie I would not do. Mm -hmm. And if it's just you and your family, like maybe it's just four of you, like if it was just the four of us having the Super Bowl thing, you could do a cast iron pizza. Yeah, cast iron is the one that I I like for beginners. Mm -hmm. It's kind of beginner, you know, like proof. Um, but but the other ones, the grandma's great too. All pizza, like grandma or any any pizza, as long as you made it properly, you have a oil in it, and um, you didn't overcook it initially. When you reheat it, it's better. That's why when you go to a pizzeria and they don't like when you get a slice from a pizzeria and by the way most places most pizzerias they do 16 like their max pie you can buy is a 16 or 18 inch pie a lot of places are pushing towards 16 now which sucks if you're a pizzeria and does that i think i think you suck i don't like it not into it and or, or and also the sizes that they're doing now they're like oh we got a we got a small medium large extra large that's a bunch of crap um but the regular pizzerias will still do maybe up to a 16 or an 18, but then they'll do a 20. 20 you can't buy, okay? And the box doesn't fit it, but that 20 is for slices. So they make all their pies, mm -hmm. stick them in the glass, whatever. So when a customer comes in, they're like, oh, I'll take a slice of pepperoni. I'll take a slice of uh, 
artichoke, I'll take a slice of uh, eggplant rollatini or whatever. Um, those slices are bigger, mm-hmm. and so they can charge more for them. Yeah. So, and it, it you know, the customer gets it, and they're like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you if you order a pie from them, you'll you'll notice it's always smaller. So. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with doing that. I, and again, this is just Jim's opinion. Who the hell cares what Jim thinks? But like the ones that are doing those medium and smalls, I'm I'm not into at all. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I guess I agree. I feel like a normal pizza is what, 18? 18. Yeah. Like you're confusing the customer. Yeah. You're making it, it's called the paradox of choice. You're giving mm-hmm. them way too much choice and yeah. they don't want it. They just, when they order a pie, they just want a pie. They're, that's what they're expecting. Yeah. All right, Jim, let's move on to number five on our top five picks for Super Bowl. Chili. Chili. Chili is awesome. This is one of the best ones that you can make. If you have a bunch of people, I would just say get some like disposable uh, like bowls, mm-hmm. like little bowls. That's like when I went to uh, New Orleans or New Orleans and during Mardi Gras and I had- um, Etouffee? Red beans and rice, uh, and also gumbo, gumbo. They would serve them in these little paper bowls, and you mm. just get it, and then you eat it, and then then you'd be done with it. Those are the type of bowls you want for chili. Make your chili a day, two, or three days in advance, and it will be the talk of your Super Bowl party. Everybody will be probably more into that than even the wings. Mm-hmm. And it's simple because it's done for you then. You just have to heat it up on the stove when you're ready to go for yeah. the Super Bowl. And any chili is... Any chili. Yeah. Yeah. Use the chili we have. Uh, we just did um, Chili Colorado, which is great. That's done with chunks of uh, beef chuck. But then we also have a regular, more standard northeastern chili that has beans in it. That, yeah. that one's been on the site for a while. Mm-hmm. We also have a chicken chili with uh, poblano peppers. Like it's like a green chili. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll keep making chilies. I'll do it. I'll I'll make I'll, I can make a whole website devoted they're to chilies. They're so good. That's how much I love chili. They're good, and they're good because you can make them ahead. We talked about our top five. I know that there are some that didn't make it to the top five list, so we want to name them as honorable mentions. So some of these you mentioned sliders. Good, I like them. Do you want me to do you want me to just name them? Name and them and I'll back? talk I'll okay. talk about one or two. All right. These are our honor- yeah. honorable mentions yeah. that didn't make the top five list. Sliders, stuffed potato skins. Mm, good. Brats. Italian hero, ribs, pigs in a blanket. Okay. Those are all these are all awesome and they all can be divided into smaller uh pieces. Uh, the one I'll talk about will be now you can do the Italian hero this way too. Yeah, but I mean it's not really the same thing. If you get King's Hawaiian buns. Which from Costco sells them, but other places have them too. You can take like a big bread knife and you can just cut the whole top. So you turn it over, then you could do your ground beef, cheese, you could do Italian cold cuts, and you can make all your sandwiches that way. I actually, when I used to make stupid TikTok videos like a few years ago, I made a. Remember when I made the ground beef one? Mm-hmm. It's like I, I, I sorry, I just can't, I can't stand the platform. And by the way, I say that, but we are putting up clips of this podcast on there. But ugh, it's just, you know what it is? It's on that platform. It's it's fill. It's it's called attention. So you you are trafficking in attention. So that means you must get the person's attention in the first not two seconds, but the first quarter second. YouTube, when you make a cooking video, 15-minute cooking video, 
you got about three to five seconds to get people's attention. So I'll put up the picture. I'll say, today we're making blah, blah, blah. TikTok, no. The whole thing, everything needs to be done in 30 seconds, 60 seconds. You obviously don't learn a thing on there. It's just filled with, it's filled with false hopes and dreams. You know, you watch like a cooking video and you're like, that looked so easy. Well, it wasn't as easy as making it in 30 or 45 seconds, you know? So that's the thing. Yeah. That's what we struggle with over there. But I did um, those sliders. It got like a million views and people were like, this is the best ever. This is insane. I also yeah. did a dumb uh, grilled Italian uh, hero sandwich. And you know why that did well? Because Sammy was in it and we both like took a bite of it in the screen. Oh, you need to do that bite. I hate yeah. that bite shoving the nostrils in the screen. Oh man, I'm so old, right? I'm so old, you're like I can't a, do that. You're like you're you're being a curmudgeon again. You know what? Look, <laughs> let, let me let's take this to its logical end. Okay, so people aren't like we get them in the YouTube in the cooking videos. Oh, too long, you know, bro. You're taking forever, bro. Um, okay, so so that person is basically implying I can only listen to thirty seconds. Okay. So let's take it to its end. Why stop at 30 seconds? Let's do a two second video. Mm -hmm. Let's do a three second video. Okay. You know? Yeah. Well, you're not going to really learn anything. You'll maybe. You're not learning anything in the 30 second video. You might be like mildly entertained. You're not learning anything yeah. in the other video. No, I the other videos, I, I agree. The TikToks are made of sh of quick editing tricks. Mm -hmm. They're like take an onion, throw it on the table, boom. It's like. Yeah, it's already. It's diced. already sauteed. Yeah. You know? Anything else you want to add? Otherwise, we'll move into questions. Let's move into questions. Okay. This first question is for me. From you? Well, no, not from me. Oh. For me. Oh, I was like, Tara's asking me. Yeah. My my question from me <laughs> to me you is, can you please can shut, I read it? shut up? Can I read it? E yes. So this question is for Tara from Patricia. So I was listening to your podcast today on the pros and cons of different types of pans. One of the topics Tara brought up was using Barkeeper's Friend as a cleaning agent. She recommended the powder form, which I've used before to clean the scratch marks from my porcelain sinks before I got a granite sink. My question for Tara is, what do you use to scrub with? A non-scratch type of scrubber, an SOS pad, a dry paper towel, which I have used. Also, what do you recommend using to clean a porcelain coated cast iron pot, like a Dutch oven? I usually use a product like soft scrub and a dry paper towel which usually works well to remove anything that is stuck to the pan, but the bottom of the pans are so discolored that nothing gets them clean and white again. Please help. Yes. So, and you can jump in here too, but since I'm the main cleaner in this house, I'll answer this. So first of all, Patricia, um, when I am using the Barkeeper's Friend, the powdered version, this is what I do. And honestly, I think this actually might be a good TikTok video to film is how to use Barkeeper's Friend. Um, so I'll this do is, it. So this is what I do. I will take a regular sponge, like one side is the soft sponge side, the other side is coarse, right? We get them from Costco, okay? They're the blue sponges, I forget the brand name, but I use that. But what I do first before I use the Barkeeper's Friend is I first clean the pan with regular soap and water. We use uh, palm olive to as our main dish soap. So I will do that. Then I will sprinkle some of the Barkeeper's Friend powder onto the pan and I will take a wet sponge, that same sponge, and I will just like lightly, I won't scrub it, I will just lightly kind of move the barkeeper's friend around in the pan. 
Then I will let it sit for like five minutes or so. Yep. After the five minutes are up, I come and that's when I scrub with a little bit more force with the same sponge. Then I will rinse it. I will take a look at the pan and usually by that point, it's good to go. So what I'll do then is I will wash it one more time with palm olive just to get rid of any of the barkeeper's friend that's left on there. Then I take it and I dry it with a soft cloth. Now the ceramic Dutch oven, ceramic enamel or enameled, enameled, uh, yeah. enameled Dutch enameled oven, coating. those are a little bit harder. Um, I do find the one that we have right now, usually I just need soap and water on it, but the bottom of it does become a little discolored. I've tried using Barkeeper's Friend to get that off and it doesn't always... You're talking about the lodge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't yeah, get that so it's, off. I have not been able to. We haven't been really. I, when I say we, Tara, like she's not going as full force on there as you would with the stainless because you're concerned. Yeah, it's, I, I, it has I am a concerned. residue stuck to the bottom it of it. Does, it does. It hasn't and, really stopped me cooking. Like it hasn't really messed up the cooking. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, I mean, I'm talking. I guess I'm talking bad about Lodge here. Uh, you know, it could be their product. You know, yeah. you, you know, I know we had, we've spoken about this in the past about. It's not enough though. Le Creuset being better. It's not enough for me to not use the pan though. I mean, it's not like it's like food that's stuck. It's a discoloration though. The Tramontina that we have that admittedly doesn't have anywhere as much, anywhere near as much use um, seems to be better. That doesn't have anything on it yeah. yet, but I think we've just used that less. Yeah, that, that's what I, I think meant, it has, yeah. like as it as it ages, and maybe yeah, maybe like you said, maybe that's where Le Creuset is better. But I don't, well, I don't know. Le Creuset is um is much lighter, which I actually mm-hmm. think is a very it's it's an understated benefit. As long as it heats up, it has the same heat like holding ability, which I'm sure it does. Uh, that alone is worth a lot because that lodge is so heavy, even with nothing. It is. It It is heavy to clean. So I hope that answers your question. Like I said, I think it would be helpful if we did a little like quick tutorial or video on how to, you know what we could even do on Instagram. You could do film it and we could just put it as a highlight, like how to clean a pan. That's a good idea. Okay. We'll do something like that. We're going to go into uh, the next question is actually uh, an audio question. You can send us audio or video questions through Instagram. You can DM them. You could send them to, to our email, which is podcast at sipandfeast.com. Hi, my name is Tara and I'm a listener from Canada. I'm a huge fan of the channel and the podcast. I've always had a huge passion for food and cooking, and lately I've been thinking of becoming a food content creator and posting cooking videos online. Do you you guys have any advice or tips for any aspiring creators, and what are some of the biggest lessons you have learned throughout your journey of creating your channel and website? Thank you, Tara, for the question. Tara, do you want to answer first, like your experience? Before I answer, I'm going to let you take okay. this. Tara, I would say if you are, first of all, I have no idea how old you are. So I think your age is an important factor in this. And if you, if you're my age and you're 45, I would say start yesterday. If you're 25, then 
I think you can be a little bit more deliberate and make a little bit better plan of action. But really, no matter what age you are, starting now is better than starting later because your stuff that you put out now is not going to be that good. You know, it'll improve. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. When you first started, I mean, you thought, I think we thought we were putting out good content, but. Yeah. You thought you it was learned, good. You learn so much about what works and what doesn't work and figuring out who your audience is. Yeah. We know the audience well on Facebook. We know it well on YouTube, on the cooking channel. We don't know it well on this podcast. I'm being honest. This podcast is kind of, you know, this is episode number 36. And, you know, if this, if, if we have the same, if it takes as long for this to grow as it did for the cooking channel, that means we have another 80 episodes ahead of us, which is, you know, we're doing one a week. That could be another year and a half. So it does take a while to know your audience. It takes a while to acquire an audience. My personal opinion and this is by no means to be conceded here at all. I think this podcast is good. I think it's better than a lot of podcasts that food podcasts that have a way bigger audience than we do. But they have time on us. A lot of them have been going for four, five, seven years. We're new at this. We made a miscalculation thinking that our YouTube audience, you know, if you just do a percentage conversion, you know, even if you get a 1% conversion rate, 800,000 subs on the main channel, that would have brought in 8,000 subs to the to this one. There's only 3,000 subs on this, okay? So that's less than a 1% conversion. Our blog gets over 2 million page views a month. 2 million page views. It's one of the biggest food blogs now in the United States. It's crazy that I'm even saying this because not too long ago, we were nowhere near that, okay? And that didn't, that's, I have the podcast in the main menu, and that's not pushing a lot of people to it either. So you got to find, whenever you do this stuff, you're you're finding a new audience. And then you have to culture, you have to nurture, you have to hopefully not pander too much, but you, you do need to take care of that audience. So Tara, when you start doing this, you're going to only improve as you get feedback from that audience. It's a give and take thing. And it just, in the beginning, unfortunately, you're getting so little amount of comments. And yeah. so like when I started YouTube, which is over four years ago now, this is, again, this is the cooking channel. This podcast channel has only been six months. But when I started the cooking videos, you know, I put a video up. After a week, it would only have 300 views. And this is after six months, by the way. When I first started, it had like 20 views mm -hmm. in the first week. But say after six months, 300 views, you know, I'll just, again, I'll, I'm talking numbers here. We on, on our regular cooking channel now, the average video gets 100,000 views after seven days for us, give or take. Some, some videos will do much better. 100,000 views, we will only get three, 400 comments per 100,000 views. So the comment to view ratio, it, you know, you don't get that many. So... You know, you're getting what, one comment? One comment per every 400? So when you start in the beginning and you have 400 views and you get no comments, that's kind of normal. 
If you want comments and you want to get interaction quickly, you probably want to go on that platform that I was talking a bunch of smack about before, which is TikTok, because it's insane. It's like everybody's on the platform. Yeah, but okay. So the quality of the comments that you're going to get on TikTok are not going to be, I don't think are going to be very helpful, you know? Like you might get like a fire emoji or or something like that. No, Whereas, people do. Do people do leave comments? Well, I mean, I think the the best comments or the most uh, highest quality comments that we get are on our website by far. I mean, people who comment on a website now, it's like this is a com- this conversation I could do not one episode on. I could do I could do a whole pod fifty episodes on this, but. You know, when you're getting a comment on a website, that's more work for the person to do. Also, they know when they put a comment there that there's not going to be um, other comments to them. A lot, see, a lot of YouTube comments and TikTok specifically, people comment so they get somebody else to comment on their that's comment. Right. They want to like they want to yeah. engage in a conversation. That's the thing that a lot of cre- content creators don't get yet. TikTok definitely gives a lot of that to people very quickly. So that that would be the place as far as getting like stuff that's very good. I, I I think you can build a great audience on TikTok. You know, I know I was talking bad about it before, but there's like legit stuff on there. And t- by the way, TikTok has, you could post a 10 minute video now. So it's not just made up of 30 second videos. All right. So I'm kind of taking back a little bit with what I said before. If you want to do this though, Tower, and I think you're kind of going more with the YouTube route, I would make long videos. I would have no expectation. I would try to, you know, this is kind of like a really cliche, but I would do it if you really love it. Because if you're doing it for money, um, it's it's you're going to burn out and you're not going to be able to do it. When I started doing this, I didn't tell one friend that I went to college with. I didn't tell, God, I don't even think I told my parents for a while. And I didn't want anybody I knew who had any connection to me from like my past lives and stuff to know about it because most people want you to fail. Okay. That's just how it is. And, and then like when they start finally contacting you after a while, it's probably because you're doing well. And now they're, now they're a little jealous. They're a little bit like, Oh man, like what's going on here? Like, is, is he going to make it? Is she going to make it? Like, um, that's kind of like, it's kind of the nature of things. So it's just, um, I recommend don't tell anybody. I, re- I recommend if you have passion to do it, and I recommend to have zero expectations. You might surprise yourself, and you might become amazing at it. I have one more recommendation, and that is to try and identify a niche or niche that you can really focus on. Because if you're kind of all over the place as far as recipes go, um, it's going to be harder yeah, there's two schools of thoughts on this. I did, um, you know, just Italian American food. Basically, the first three years was just that. Then I did a couple other recipes. Now I'm kind of really, I'm I'm pushing out now. Like there's going to be Chinese food coming up soon and stuff like that. Um, two schools of thought. You know, some of the biggest creators, they just did everything, like whatever they wanted from the beginning. But they're kind of the exception. So I don't know if I would, I, I think it's going to be harder. I definitely think if you're skilled in something, I would folk, I would start there and I would just, again, that's if you're like, you know, if you're good and you got the skills, if you're on like a journey and like you're learning as you go and making videos, then I think it's fine to, to, to do, mm-hmm. to do whatever you like. Yeah. 
Hope that helped a little bit, Tara. Um, it's supposed to be fun. It is fun. Um, I actually had more fun in the beginning when I started all this because it was, um, you know, we were making no money on it. Tara had her job and it was, there weren't a lot of, um, there wasn't any pressure really. Now there's a lot more pressure and there's been a string of YouTubers, like big YouTubers, like Tom Scott, Matt Pat. These are like 15 million sub channels. Uh, other ones, they're all like quitting now, quitting YouTube and, you know, saying they need to spend more time with their family. This stuff can consume you, you know, it can really take over your life. You know, I say that as it's three o'clock right now and our kids are, you know, in the other room right now doing their homework and, you know, it, they're, they're, it's tough to balance everything. It truly mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to leave it on that podcast at sippinfeast.com. We will see you next time.